let's get this bad boy started where the pavement ends podcast number one your uh, favorite crew from the nevada desert clay belding clint belding alex crosby we're uh, throw this podcast out to you with the uh the uh intent to entertain and maybe teach and just sit around and talk yeah yeah anything from camping to fishing to hunting to just being you know in the outdoors or what is it 87 percent or something like that of nevada is public land we can do pretty much anything here we've seen a lot of it <laughs> we have seen a lot of it <laughs> i would i would say that we maybe specialize in predator hunting but i think i speak for everyone at the table that we can kind of do it all and do do it all and could be trout fishing one weekend could be calling coyotes the next and you know, I think in our immediate future, we've got uh, we've got an antelope tag to worry about. Uh, Clint's uh, oldest boy, Chance, drew a uh, very highly coveted antelope tag, one that he had a couple years ago and pulled an 84-inch antelope out of there. What, what'd she end up being, Clint? Just shy of 84. Unbelievable. Two seasons ago, and Chance drew his fifth big game tag, and he's just turned 17. Yeah. Uh, a three. bull elk tag last year, and now, yeah, no 21, 22 pronghorn antelope tag and it's right in our backyard so it's going to be it's going to be pretty sweet yeah not bad for sit well now seven just turned 17 no three se- three deer tags an elk tag and now an antelope tag 17 year old kids had more tags than most adults i've had i love it i've had i think about that and i'm 42 and that's coming from a guy that just drew his second bull elk tag and he's 41 yeah. that, that 42. is the pot calling kettle black across the <laughs> across the uh, table there with a late season ely rifle bull tag I which was, some are a little bit worried about some worry about the horn breakage up there and temperatures and temperatures it could be in that valley i mean negatives oh yeah negatives gold last so. year when young chance had that tag we we missed that storm by three a days. week maybe yeah, three four days I yeah think. i mean Dave, our good buddy Dave, was up there deer hunting, and uh, did he have to pack it in? I think he had to end up breaking camp and going into town because they got like two feet of snow dumped on him a few days after we left. And Yeah, they tried to get up where we told them that nice deer was where we were elk hunting, and they couldn't get up halfway up that flat even, so they would have had to walk an extra four miles just to even get to where they we thought we were going to get, you know, where we were hunting at. Yeah, that was that very next weekend after we left. Completely changed. And the from what we heard, the late season elk guys had had trouble. Even the guides and stuff, they had trouble getting on some of the animals. Yeah, I think you you, you from what everything I've heard is you, they've either got to get so much snow, which obviously pushes them down, but you know a, a foot or two here and there is not going to push those big you know those big bulls out of their you know high ground areas. And w- we saw obviously on your uh son's tag was i mean they're at the top of some nasty stuff and even if you can get to them you can't get on them you know it takes all day to get to where they're at and everything's got to work out right for you not saying it can't be done but yeah if they don't get that big heavy 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 snow to push them down that late season tag could be tough and if you don't know the country if you just go in blind and thinking he might i mean if you don't spend time scouting and doing all that stuff that country's so big that I mean, they have hidden pockets everywhere. So and what's your you, what's your you, strategy? My strategy is knowing what we know now from last year, I think I know exactly where we're going to start out at. we got a good place to camp. That's, <laughs> if, that's, the, if, if there's no snow. Camp, yeah. I think that'll still be good. We'll see. If it's negative 10, I ain't camping. I'll be in a hotel room in Ely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we discussed. I mean, it, you've got to be prepared to camp in that kind of a scenario you know i mean not everybody goes out with a foot of snow on the ground and enjoys being out there camping you know you gotta we've got to watch that weather we gotta you know obviously we have some of the some of the equipment and and what's required of camping like that but is it miserable you know is it so miserable that it's easier just to stay in town i don't know yeah Yeah. that adds another two hours to your day every every day hour in hour out driving just back to your camp Unless one of you guys wants to buy a motorhome before then. We have some friends that have one. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think I'm going to start right there where we saw that guy pack out that monster on the way up. 
I think we're going to start right there, maybe even the flats. Do you yeah. think that even though you hunted it last year, there'll be a couple scouting trips? Or are you, you comfortable with what it's like to not scout? What do you think? Yeah, I'll probably scout maybe one time. But we were there for a long time, last, you know, a week straight, and got to know that country pretty good, at least part of the country. Uh, I've been talking to some people, oh, go here, go there. But seeing what we saw last year and knowing bull, huge bulls get killed right where we were every year, year after year, from outfitters and what you see, there's no reason not to go back there. Right? Don't you have the added advantage, correct me if I'm wrong, somebody that we know has the early tag, right? Yeah, Tony. Oh, right, right, yeah. Tony has the early tag, so. So he has the exact same tra- tag, tag chance yeah. Yeah. So Your cousin, Tony? No, Tony Angelopoulos, Melanie's. Oh, Tony Ados, yeah. Yeah, so he got after So he like, can scout for us. <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll scout for us. He'll kill a 300-inch and scout for you. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, uh, I would recommend doing a scouting trip right around the first freeze. So we could catch some uh, coyotes, pine nuts. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that was is it. Catching one. pine nuts, harvesting <laughs> pine nuts. Man, I I just enjoy it. Clint and I went scouting last year, and man, just it's it's enjoyable to find a big tree of pine nuts and get them and get covered in sap. And last year when they went up there on the mountain, me and you camped right, oh. up, just sat there underneath one tree and just ate, ate them out of the window. Yeah, that's what's funny about last year. You know, it's it's October, November, and it was warm and sunny every day we were up there pretty much. And, uh, yeah, sit in the shade of a pinion pine and eat pine nuts all day long. It's disgusting. But <laughs> looking forward to going back and doing it again. We had a night when it was just the two of us, two of us up there scouting. We got smart. Each, each time we went out after them, we got a little bit smarter. And so we backed the pickup truck up underneath one of them and shook the branches and went back to camp. And I don't know, till 10 o'clock at night we were... <laughs> We were so full of sap around the campfire. <laughs> one w- one piece of advice is you definitely want to wear some gloves when you do that. We the, the first day we did not know that. I don't know why you wouldn't know that, but uh, we did not know how uh, much sap comes out of those cones and the trees. And I mean, it, literally for three, four, five days after I got home, I was scraping sap off my fingers. So wear, wear some gloves if you go up there and get the pine nuts. Which it also ties into the elk. It's, you know, it kind of makes me think of, of Thomas down in Mexico with the choya and, you know, the what the what the animals are eating on. But we would sit there and watch those herds of elk and they were hanging around those real thick pinion pines and sticking their snouts up into the top of the tree and getting the pine nuts out of there. So oh, yeah, you're right. in elk country when you're in pine pine nut country. We saw, remember, even all those deer, you know, those four, five, six deer, all all on that one, one. pinion pine, right, right. all the pine nuts off of it. I wouldn't mind going back to where we saw that uh, bubbler, too. Yeah, that was That's a well, spot. Like the lower country, yeah, like you said, if they are. They're in the lower country in that bubbler. Mm. Well, and it was all tracked out. I mean, that was a. That was an unbelievable canyon. And I think now that that fire is two, three, whatever it is, four years old now, I think they'll, you know, be back in that country thicker. So, just because it hit my mind, if you were going to hunt, how far away do you do you do you have to camp from? I mean, you know that bull that we chased around for a week. Why couldn't we have camped if we had known, you know, two miles down that road in the flats there, you know, and saved all that? I mean, I obviously we didn't know that going, but I mean, what do you think is a good buffer for where you're going to camp and where you're going to hunt? I think you can camp anywhere from that gate down but i I, the reason we didn't i think just trees well we were all set up but i mean we were set up but also i mean the sun and the i mean if it's winter time then you don't really have to worry about that but right i just was kind of thinking i mean if you wanted to hunt that bubbler i guess if you thought something was in there you could camp a little bit closer than maybe what we did last year knowing what I know now over there where, where Dave camped and them for the deer hunt, they have, there's some awesome sauce right there at that, at the, yeah where you crest that mountain right there. So we could camp there or where we did. Cause I think I want to spend some time, like I said, down there in the flats above that ranch and where that guy walked out that big bull. Cause he was good. Remember he said he was, I talked to that guy and he said he was going after a bigger one than the one he killed and he couldn't pass that one up for well his dad it was his dad that killed it 
maybe we should fill the uh, listening audience in on our funny little story of, holy, I don't even know, 45 minutes to an hour trying to figure out how to get up there, get all the way up there, set up the spotting scopes and binoculars and all that. And somebody says, well, there's, oh, some, there's some guys over there. And uh, this is what? I'm two miles away, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the way, 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 way far away. Yeah. But you could just see the orange, you know, which is, you know, uh, weird. Definitely not something you see in Nevada all the time. Yeah, but, you know, big blaze orange moving through. And, and uh, you know, we I, I think we all thought they were hunting, which we were far enough away that we weren't going to bother them. But then you could kind of start to tell that they had already gotten an animal. You know, they're kind of hunched over, obviously, from a couple miles away. We're not seeing everything. But, hunched over and this and then clearly they're loading up packs and then man that guy stands that rack up just i I think it ended up being like a 393 or something just a huge bull it was it's really weird how that came to be because i mean we threw up the vortex to to see after we like whether what are they doing to figure that out and then once we decided that they were on a kill we were like oh darn it you know i wonder what they got and then he stood up and i was like everyone was (laughs) and chance got little he, he was a little Oh yeah, he was but, upset. Or, all upset of us, all of us were a bit because we were there. Yeah, we were in the missed it by a day. Missed it by a day. Yeah, and, and no guarantees we would have seen it or known anything about it. But I mean, just to know that you're, yeah, you you yeah. were in the same grounds as as a as a giant bull yeah. like so that I, and miss it, you know. So, um, Tyler Marsh, who lives over in Chico. I called or no, yeah, I called him because we were working on this podcast room and I was asking him some questions about some wiring. And I said, oh, we're heading out Kyle or elk hunting for chance. And he said, where? And so I told him, he said, oh, my buddy's got one over there. And I said, oh, cool. And then after the fact, uh, he texted me and said, how'd you guys do? And I sent him the picture of Chance's bull. And he goes, oh, well, my buddy got one too. It sent me that picture. And right away, I knew it was that bull because it was very... That whale's tail or fifth, the fifth, the fifth came. No, his, yeah, his, the top of the whale's tail. His whale's tail curved backwards instead yeah, of downwards, very distinct exactly. upwards, in huge thirds. Yeah. yeah, it came exactly the same way the fifth did. It circled up, mm-hmm. so I knew right away that was him. So I told Tyler to give me his information, and I called him, and he said he was luck of the draw. They were headed up on another bull that they knew was there that he found scouting, and uh, came across that bull just out there. 200 yards and couldn't pass it up. Hmm. <laughs> I don't think you would pass up a 390, would you? No, no. The, that bull doesn't get a pass. Which the extra part of that story was cool too because we, I, I mean, I could have swore that it was an older gentleman and a, and a younger kid that looked like he really knew what he was doing. Um, it had to have been a, a guided type of a deal. And that's, I think that's the way we went to bed sleeping that night. I was like, well, we, you know, we got outsmarted by a guide, big deal, and come to find out <laughs> the guide didn't even know that bull existed. Yeah, that's he, in that he, area. He was he was a the kid is a deer guide in California. So yeah, he knew what he was doing. So yeah, I mean he's. A, but they stumbled. I mean, in a lot of ways, they were going after another one and stumbled upon a three hundred ninety plus bull. Which hey, that that's happened. hunting, right? I, you know, it, it may or may not be an old you know wives' tale or whatever. But uh, one of the one of the record bulls out of Nevada was killed by a guy by himself. Yep. driving his pickup truck up a road to go, you know, look for something. And a, a bull crosses the road in front of him. You know, he gets out and, and, and hunts it, shoots it, whatever. And he's by himself. So he goes down and he, and he goes to a ranch and he says, Hey, you know, I've killed this bull elk and I, and I, I need some help getting it packed out. And, you know, would you lend me a hand? You know? So the rancher obliges, goes up there and he says, do you know what you've done? And the guy says, no, what? He says, you've killed about the biggest bull I've ever seen. Yeah, I think it was 411. Yeah, 411. By himself, bull walked right across the road in front of him. I mean, you know, that happens. It truly does. I mean. And the opposite end of it, you're those guys that go five miles up in the country and if they get something, it's a little dink or something or or they come back. It's just, that's the beauty of hunting. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I've had two elk tags. I was unsuccessful in my first. That was... 10, thir- I had four points? No, two points. So it 2007, was... 2007, right? 2007. Yeah. 13 years ago, I had it. And I drew this one with two points. And I was talking to another buddy. He, first year, got that tag early uh, for archery. First year, putting back in after he was eligible again. Yeah, Michael Keller. It was Michael Keller's. He drew that with one zero points. His first time putting back in, drew that. So... 
Luck of a shame that I have two tags. Yeah, <laughs> I still of... haven't killed one. You guys have both killed an elk here in Nevada, so. Frankie, uh, good old, our good buddy Frankie, drew a tag. Waited, you know, did not get one. Waited seven years and drew one right back out out of the gate. And then you hear people going 15, 20 years without drawing one. It's just kind of the beauty and I don't know. I don't know what the word is. The the downfall of the draw system in Nevada. It, yeah, it's frustrating because like a deer tag as a native Nevadan, I got one when I was 12 and then I didn't have another one until I was 22. Yeah. I, didn't, I only had one June tag when I was 12 and waited 10 years as a native Nevada to get my second deer tag. In a lot of states cross country, they just go out and buy them, yeah. buy two of them, buy a doe tag and a buck tag, buy five doe tags and a buck tag. And I, I mean, I, I personally think it's, it, uh, it adds to the excitement of hunting in general. I think we probably, at least equally, if not more, we're more excited when we're looking for the credit card hit that Friday afternoon, you know, more so than, than actually even the hunt. You know, it's, there's there's a lot of pent up, uh, you know, excitement. excitement. <laughs> when, it, when is it? It's March, right? No, May. Or May, yeah, the other M. Uh, yeah, so for that, for that month, you're sitting there waiting for that tag to come and, I tend to get more excited, especially with chance hunting these days is, you know, drawing something. It's like by the time August comes around, you know, it's, well, we're hunting. Yeah, you know? well, I this year they did it early. They said they were going to do it by the 30 for whatever the day they said. And they then they put it out that they were coming out two days early at midnight. I stayed up till midnight and then I was really pissed because everyone was doing it. And their site was down. You couldn't yeah, get any information. Crashed. They didn't post it on your credit. Or no, they did post some on your credit card if it hit right away. But you couldn't get online to see if you got anything like they said because there was too many people doing it and it kind of crashed. But then I got on my credit card and it finally hit like at one thirty. I stayed up another hour and a half just trying, trying, trying. And I saw that $121 charge and I was like, that's an L-tag. Which Are you which, kidding me? <laughs> It's either either bighorn or elk, right? That is it the same I same amount. Elk, I think elk is the only one twenty one. I think bighorn is a little bit cheaper. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I did the same thing though. It's funny you stay up till midnight waiting, and you start to see people post stuff on social media. You know, oh, I drew this tag and that tag, and I got nothing this year. But as I sat there, you know, watching and getting on the website and and, and nothing, I just kept thinking, Oh, it's because our site's down, but no, it's just, I really didn't get anything. <laughs> so yeah, that, that is a deflating moment. I did not sleep well that night knowing that I had no tag, but you know, Clay and I were texting at one thirty in the morning when he said he got his and, and yeah. then, uh, and then I heard the next morning that chance got his tag. I mean, that's almost, good enough i mean you know you don't always have to pull the trigger to still have a great time i mean i'll go on both the hunts and do you like the fact that uh you know in the old system everything was posted online you could look up everybody if you wanted to do you like it that way or now where it's kind of hidden and you don't get pressured by people you don't get pressured by guides you don't get pressured by anti-hunting people um you know i I never got pressured, but I mean, you always would get, you know, that, that flyer in the mail from a taxidermist or a outfitter or something like that when you drew a tag, you know, which that doesn't bother me. And, and, and I drew a Northern Nevada, a black bear tag, which is what the, uh, a lot of the anti-hunting groups around here, you know, they're, they don't like that tag. And, and I wasn't, nothing ever happened to me I, as the way I understand it. They've, they've chosen to let the hunters, you know, block their results or show their results based on that black bear tag because the, the, I don't even want to mention their name, but anyway, the, the group of people that don't like that tag were, were finding out who drew those tags. And I think it's fairly easy to figure out in a small community like ours, you know, if, if my name was on that list with a black bear tag, they could figure out where I work and where I live. And, and you could, you could, and they experienced some harassment out of that. So I get it. I, I did enjoy, you know, I always had my core group of friends, you know, you guys and, and people, other people and my parents and my family, you know, that I would, that I would go through that list and see who drew what, and then I'd shoot them a text, you know, congratulations on your tag. So I really did used to like that. Um, you know, I think a lot of people still make that public anyway. Yeah. But a, cu- a couple of years ago, I did that with less. Or, you know, not less Nesbitt on his final elk or final desert. What do you have to get? Desert. desert. Two years ago. Or yeah. Or Cal- whatever it was down in, in Vegas. And he's not a big computer guy. You know, he's 80 years old at the time or 70, 
seven or eight years old at the time, and I looked him up because I was he'd been going 25, 30 years or something putting in for that tag and never got it. And it was the last one he needed to fill for his Grand Slam or the, what do you call it when you kill? Yeah, Grand Slam. No. Oh, North American Slam. North American, where the 27 species, mm-hmm. you he, he that was the last one he needed to get. So I looked him up and he got it. And I called him and I said, hey, yeah. <laughs> he didn't know yet. And so I let him up and he was, it was just awesome to let him know uh, that he got that. Then he ended up killing an awesome one. So I did the same thing to Kent. Burroughs, you know, Kent's not a computer guy. And uh, a few years ago, I shot him a text. Hey, you know, congratulations on your deer tag or whatever it was. And he says, you ruined the surprise for me. I like to wait till I get my credit card slip. I was like, okay. You said that just like he would say it. (laughs) But but it is right now July 12th. What is it? Yeah, July 12th. We're about month. Just five weeks away from chances. August twenty second. Antelope tag. So kind of neat this year. I I can't remember the last time that an actual opening day of any tag that we've had was on a weekend. Yeah. It's on a Saturday. I mean, and what, what's his opening day? The twenty second or twenty second. Like so yeah, so we twenty second, and then it ends on a Monday. So it just it Worked it maximizes the working man being able to get out there and do it. So it starts on a Saturday, ends on a Monday, and I believe. The elk tag is similar too. It's they're, they're mean, really good. They're I really good days check. of the week. Let's check as we talk about the antelope tag. Do you, obviously we're going to go right back up to where we killed the eighty four and see if anything moved in on his crowd, right? Yeah, there's there's definitely th- that spot, and I, I want to look at another spot. Um, it kind of depends, you know. This this area might be cut in th- at least in th- a third taken off of it. I would imagine because of a the virus, you know, the Indian reservation and the virus. So we probably aren't going to be able to get into one end of the country, but, um, that remains to be seen, but there's, there's plenty of antelope in this area. Plenty of, and I asked him, I've been ever since he drew the tag, I've been kind of poking at him a little bit and, you know, he knows what mine scored and he knows what his sister scored. And I, I don't think he's really even into the whole scoring thing, but he knows I am. So, uh, so I said, so what do you want to kill? You want to kill a good one? Or, uh, so he said 76. 76 is his number. I was like, well, that's, that's what your grandpa, I mean, that's basically everything. I think my dad's biggest biggest goat was a 79 and some change. So he, he's got his eyes on a pretty good goat. I think 76, that's your typical Nevada antelope. Yeah, I was going to say, I think he could shoot a little higher. Right, but he set it there. And Be, Before we move too far off, because I, I meant to ask Clay this, what is your goal for your elk? Now that we brought this up. I got to be Chance, right? <laughs> I got to beat hey, my 16, 17-year-old nephew. You got to beat me. Well, what about your Uncle Mel? Oof. He, killed, see, he did, killed a giant last year. Did you see that his, his mount came back? Awesome. What, what's his bull? 380-something? 380-something. I think 383 is. Uh, yeah, but that I was would, with Thomas, by the way. I mean, so. you go in with high expectations, obviously, and a 350 and higher is a, a stud, very respectable bull. 350 puts you in Nevada book? I believe, or 325, what puts you in the Nevada book? I, I think it's I 325 know. or 350. Yeah, but I mean. knowing that country and what comes out of there every year, you know, being friends with some of the guides over there, and obviously they're in that, those hills every day, knowing everyone by name practically, um, but knowing what the comes out of there, your expectations are, man, I can kill 390, 400, and then... You go from and as every day goes on, you slide it back a bit, <laughs> a couple inches. Yeah. What do you? What a typical six point or non typical? Do you have a preference? I would love a non typical. I've always loved non typical stuff. Wow, like, I like. I think it, I prefer a non typical. I mean, they both have some their own, you know, characteristics and beauty and all that. But I, yeah, I like the trash. I like the big non typical. And stuff. I hate. I hate the net scoring you know oh this deduct this deduct that's not equal yeah exactly it should take you know once you cape it or whatever and take that skull off they should be able to weigh the horns and that's it yeah it should the he grew it he grew that horn growth it doesn't matter if he grew it perfectly straight and perfectly symmetrical he grew the bone and that's what he should score yeah i mean that's how i would feel i agree Back to this antelope, I had a, a very <laughs> enough of that bone. I had a I had a spine shivering thought. I, I'm going to Sturgis for the first time this year on my Harley, the week prior to that antelope tag. So give me a few days to uh, 
<laughs> dry out a little bit on the. Uh, I'll, I'll be the spotting guy on the lemonade from, that you're from the drinking. from the truck. I'll be spotting. When, uh, <laughs> when do you get back? The week. Uh, I think I get back the weekend before, so I'll have a week off, oh, and then we'll oh, go yeah, handle it. But yeah, I'll be fine. But I'm just. So uh, we'll Sturgis, do uh, we'll huh? do all the scouting what things. What made you want to go to Sturgis? I think, you going with? If you own a Harley Davidson, I think you have to go to Sturgis one time in your life. Uh, Billy Fisher. Billy. Billy, yeah. So the virus, you know, the coronavirus is maybe going to put a little bit of a damper on it. I've heard. It's funny. I, I, I had this discussion with a guy yesterday that Sturgis is an event unlike any other because it's not owned by anyone. So no one can shut it. Yeah. No one can shut it really. Yeah. Down. They can't shut it down. So. They've said, you know, it's this is the 80th uh, anniversary of it, and they they've had, you know, certain things happen over the years where the people have said, well, then we have to close Sturgis, and there is no way to close Sturgis. I mean, they just the guys show up. Everybody knows it's this two week period in August every year, and and they just go, and that's what. It's kind of funny because they're almost forced to accommodate because the people are going to show up no matter what, you know. So basically, if you said. Well, we're not having an event, you know, don't bring out the, you know, porta potties and don't, you know, don't do this and don't do that. The the people are going to show up no matter what. So if you want them sleeping on the sidewalks and, you know, doing all that, then don't set anything up. But if you want it to be somewhat controlled, you better set it up. So, yeah, this year I, I, I read that their city council, you know, said, even though we'd rather not have this event due to the coronavirus, it was voted nine to one to have it because if you don't prepare for it, all these guys and gals are going to show up anyway. And then, you know, that's that town of Sturgis is going to be overrun. And that's what, um, you know, they said we're having it. So they've canceled like the opening ceremony. It's going to be a, I had a, obviously before this whole coronavirus uh, thing went down, it was going to be, you know, this really great, probably once in a lifetime bucket list kind of a trip, you know, you can go ride your bike to Mount Rushmore, which we'll still do all that stuff, but they do a lot of concerts and, um, you know, events and things like that that I think are going to be canceled, but it'll still be a good why, time. Why Sturgis? Not not that why you going to Sturgis. What what was significant about Sturgis that everyone started oh, going there eighty years ago? The uh, it, from what I understand, I think it's the the Black Hills are like some of the best motorcycle riding around. You know, they've got you know twisty turn roads and you know unbelievable scenery to look at and all that stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Um, they all came. I I don't I don't know the origin of it. You know, eighty years ago, I'm sure, you know, a group of guys met there and saw how great it was, and you know, kind of how these things grow as they invite a few people and a few people and a few people and the Burning Man of yeah motorcycles. Why, why don't we get some T-shirts made for this trip? We do it, you know, and then pretty soon you've got this this eighty year long festival that you know I think it's eighty to a hundred thousand bikers come to every year, and I mean, you know, there's TV shows produced about it and tons of clothing and. Um, you know, the, this town of Sturgis, you know, is a population of, say, a thousand, most of it, you know, for 50 weeks out of the year. And then for two weeks out of the year, it's a town of 100,000. They bring in, there's these huge, you know, bars that mostly stay somewhat empty all year long. You know, they're huge um, acreage, used to be probably ranches and farms and stuff that these guys have bought and they put a bar on them, you know, and stages for music. And then it's it's all pasture land. That, that is still farmed, you know, year round, kind of like the night in the country thing here in Reno, you know, that for the, for this amount of time, it becomes a venue and people stay out there and they party out there. And, you know, everyone from Kid Rock to Willie Nelson plays Sturgis at some point in their life and Guns N' Roses has played Sturgis. And, you know, they just they just have this huge festival party for two weeks or whatever and ride your motorcycle. And, you know, it's a kind of a badge of honor to ride your bike to Sturgis. Billy and I are going to be taking ours in his fifth wheel trailer. So we have somewhere to camp. So we're, we're, we're not as tough as everybody else, but it'll still be a great time. Do you, do you look down at other people that don't have Harleys like Indians and, Oh no, I don't care. Uh, (laughs) I mean, it's kind of funny. Nobody cares what you ride, but typically if you ride, you know, an Indian, you probably ride with guys that have Indians or Harleys and, you know, if you ride a sport bike, then you ride with guys that have a sport bike. But uh, nobody, I. Hey, if you have a bike, anything. great. I've never bet on one. You can get on the back of mine anytime you want. <laughs> no, no, thanks. <laughs> I'm good. I'll stick to the four wheels. Yeah, they're they're fun. Got to got to uh, got to have something to do in the summertime, right? Fish. 
Well, that dies off here. It gets too hot. Golf. golf. I'm terrible at golf. How'd you shoot yesterday? I didn't play. Oh, great. That was going to be my next topic, Clint's golf game, but he didn't even play. It's getting better. What? Uh, so let's get back to this antelope tag. Do you, do, you, do you have a set amount of time that you'd like to be out in the Nevada desert in the 90 plus degree weather with your 16, 17-year-old son now? Are we doing weekend trips? It's, it, it's, it? it's close enough where we can do it. Of course, school will be, cross your fingers, started at that point in time. So it's kind of tough to know. But I would, I, I would pull him out of school probably Friday, get up there and scout the first day. And then hopefully, I mean, you know, you always hope that you get it done that first weekend. So, but yeah, it's going to be a bit limited. It always is with a, with a school aged kid and get him back to school on Monday. But yeah, I'd, you know, that's the other part of it. Maybe, maybe somebody drives him up there being that it is so close and he doesn't miss school on Friday. And then maybe we could take Monday off and get three days of hunting. So well, with still the, open with how they say right now the vi- with the virus, they're doing a mixed schedule, so right. he'll be in school two days or three days, and then he'll be at home. Three Which days. we still, I don't, we read that, and we still don't understand because, at least in Nevada or in Washoe County, they have A days and B days, so they don't like like we did. They don't go to their six periods every day. They go to three of them or four of them one day, and then switch, and then so Monday, Wednesday, and Friday the next week is the Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I really don't know how they're going to do that. But it would be nice, yeah. That'd be ideal if that Friday, and then if it switches that next Monday's a an online day, yeah, he can sneak out a little bit. Yeah, that'd be good. And I asked him the other day what he wanted to shoot, caliber-wise, and thinking three guns, 6.5, 243, or 224 Valkyrie. Interesting. I shot mine with the Creedmoor. I. I mean, he can't, he can't go wrong there. That was such an accurate gun. No, but we would if I would need to, we would need to get a lighter. System. Oh no, no, not that actual gun, but yeah. that, that caliber. That caliber is awesome. Two forty three is plenty for for antelope, and that two two Valkyrie is an unbelievable round. People would kill an elk with it. Yeah. So it, it's funny how it, you know the the ammunition has changed pretty fairly recently i mean i i recall within the last 10 years you know you would you would have been that conversation would have been 243 or 30 out six you know what which one are you going to use and it's i love it you know 270 yeah (laughs) i'm a 30 out six what 28 nozzlers oh i mean so many different rounds six five creedmoor you know was like a, a a dust storm came right through you know the uh you know the the shooting and hunting world and then like you said, that two two four Valkyrie. I was just uh, texting back and forth with a guy that we hunted with years ago, Mike, and that's his you know new go to round. And six, I, now that it's the six five PRC, yeah, that's supposed to be even better than the Creedmoor. It's, I think it's cool. I mean, innovation and all that is the backbone of our you know economy and our country and all that stuff. And the guys that are playing around with ammunition, uh, man, it, it's a science that I don't. I don't know much about. I've never reloaded or anything. It, it it's kind of like tying flies, I guess. For me, is I, I would like to learn how to do it, but at the same time, I just go buy the stuff at the uh, store. And I'm just as happy. I love tying flies, but as far as we we went to Federal's shop or business back there a couple of years ago. Me and Chad went back there, and that operation is amazing. And to talk about the the science and stuff behind it, there's just the, the developers. Are, it's crazy. Yeah. So, can either of you speak intelligently just on that one you just mentioned? Because I'm I'm not aware of that. So, is Creed, the Creedmoor? No, it's a PC. You say PRC. PRC. Precision so, round chamber. So, what's do you know the the specs on it, or what what specifically is different about it? The I know the the actual bullet is different, and it's supposed to be flatter shooter with more pop downrange. I believe. So it's they just they're tinkering around with how much gunpowder they put in it i mean shape there's got to be shape of what, bullet the, the actual what the what the the casing's made out of maybe possibly i mean it's got to be slight little changes no, they, they do for, i worked with a guy that was was really into reloading and and they yes obviously the you know the powder load is tinkered with in in to the grain you know not believe me i shouldn't be talking about this but um yeah they they tinker around with the neck of the cartridge you know, so um, like a twenty-two two fifty is a good example of 
where they've taken a different cartridge, they change the shape of the shoulder and the neck of the round, and then they put a different bullet on top of that. And obviously you have to, you know, the guys that are tinkering with these are changing the chambers and, and, you know, barrels and everything on their guns as well. But, you know, so what size bullet to, you know, what size cartridge to how much powder, how much powder you want to get, you know, they want to maximize the velocity coming out, you know, but then I think that PRC, like you said, the aerodynamics of the bullet, you know, is, is kind of a, a, a new innovation. I don't know how new, but you know, that, that they've figured out probably in the twist of the, of the barrel and all that and what works to make that, that round fly further, faster, with you know, more pop down range. right. With more impact down range. And that's what those guys are, I think, constantly tinkering with in those, you know, a lot of it's obviously done in the factories and things like that. Your, your federals are the ones that are really doing the R and D on those different yeah. rounds, but there's also guys, you know, that are in their garages and stuff that are, or, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a, degrading thing to say maybe their shop or whatever playing with those rounds and you know different necks and shoulders and all that stuff oh, to, yeah. to figure out and and there's guys that do competition shooting that they, i never heard of half the rounds that they've talked about you know what i mean they just they make a specific round for what they like to do if it's thousand yard shots and you know you live in nevada and you're going to play with the wind and the heat and all that they'll, they'll make a, a a round for that or you know they'll modify a round for that and it's very very cool stuff but well, yeah. I think we're coming up with a good idea for an upcoming podcast. I would love to get an expert on and oh, yeah. chat about that kind of stuff. I think that'd be very interesting to the audience too. Yeah, no, I, I and that, like I said, it's something I don't. I've always just been a factory ammo guy. You know, I, I mm-hmm. they've got they've got a lot of money invested in what they're producing out there, and and to be fair and honest, we don't. I don't do you know competition shooting at a thousand yards and stuff like that where one or two grains of powder is going to make a difference. You know, I, I definitely have heard over the years, guys prefer to buy factory ammo in the same lots that they come out in, you know, for consistency. And, and I don't even take it that far. I, I, you know, I buy a box of box of ammo as a box of ammo. And, you know, no, to me, I, I've always wanted to get into reloading too, but it's like another hobby. Yeah. You know, what? you only have time for so many things. Right. And, that's, <laughs> and to learn that, because that can go very wrong very quick. Yes. Blow your guns up if you don't know what the hell you're doing or anything like that. So yes. I kind of have left that to the experts. I do have a... We've done pretty well with <laughs> federal. <It's, yeah. laughs> they do awesome stuff. I have a friend, Bob. We'll get Bob on here. Bob. Bob's a reloader, and he can he can enlighten us. It's funny. He, he, he'll call me from time to time and, you know, he wants me to get into reloading with him and, you know, or, you know, for myself, but I just, yeah, like you said, it's another hobby that I don't tie flies. Why would I reload? Uncle Mel's pretty damn smart on it too. Is he? Oh yeah. Uncle Mel's a Renaissance man. He's a whole podcast in and of himself. (laughs) I love several podcasts. Clay stole his idea earlier about the weighing the the bone of the horn. That's, that's Uncle Mel talking right there. So he didn't, you didn't give him credit. I love uh, if it was, I'm sorry, uncle Bill. Caught, yeah, <laughs> I, lo- I love. Uh, every year I get a nice message from Uncle Mel on my birthday. Have a have a damn, damn fine, fine birthday. birthday. Yeah. I love it. Have a damn <laughs> fine birthday. But two two four Valkyrie. Uh, yeah, I, so let's I, finish I, that yeah, conversation. When I asked Chance about it. He originally said, "Well, I don't care one that Dad shot his with or or two forty three." And I said, "Yeah, that's fine. We'll get, you know get it set up." And then when I was driving to work the next day, I was like. Ooh, that two two four Valkyrie is a be a cool little. Well, and I th- I kind of like the idea. He's he's killed a deer with a two seventy short mag. Yeah, he's killed an elk with a three hundred short mag. Coyotes. His other deer, I think, must have been that same two seventy short mag. I don't quite remember his very first year. But anyways, yeah, just to have different different, different calibers, and that's something Coyote else to, with a twenty two two. You know, we we keep the bullet to to each kill and that kind of stuff, so it adds some variety. I like yeah. the I like that idea. Well, so I think either two forty three or two two four Valkyrie. You know, two two four Valkyrie is just got to get sighted in for him. It's all set up, got the ammo. It's a AR platform. It's might be a little heavy for you know packing gun, but nothing like that six five that you shot yours with. I was just thinking, you know, you don't have to ask anymore what gun's good for chance and being a kid. Yeah. He's 17 years old and he's shredded 
I mean, <laughs> we should make him carry that six five Creed more out in the desert this year. Yeah, he's in good shape. And he just, you know, like you said, he, I think he had some youth. You know, two seventy short mag. You know, kind of a, a a gun for a younger kid. He's 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 an adult now almost. Man, he, yeah, you can give him whatever you want. I think that's kind of cool. It's 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 been cool to see that that young man progress through his. You know, much like all of us. You, you know, our dads took us hunting when we were twelve or younger or whatever, and then you just kind of. It's funny. I I remember. I only hunted with my dad, you know, and then and then as you you get older, it's, it's, it's not sad, but it's, you will eventually grow away from your dad. And that's what, you know, Clint's going to look at here in the future is chance is going to want to hunt with his friends. And, you know, I, I, yeah, it's just, it's funny to watch that transition when you get older, when you get to be an older man, like me, you know, you look back and, and, and then you see the younger kids kind of doing the same thing. I remember, I just remember thinking when I was younger that I was always going to hunt with my dad all the time. You know, and your dad brought everything and everything. All you had to do was get out of the truck and go, you know, walking or go, go duck hunting or go do whatever. And then, then you, as you start to get older, you're like, yeah, I'm going to go with my buddy, you know, and, and then you, you got to bring everything and, you know, you always forget something or, you know, all that. And another thing to chance is obviously with what we've done over the past 15 years in this industry, we, you know, have arguably the best sponsor partner list there ever has been and he's been able you know we grew up with a hand-me-down hand-me-down rifle with a tasco scope you know yeah, or yeah, some yeah. and now he's sh- shooting the best of the best which yeah. is what you want i mean you want to better your hunter you know 100 you want to be as good as you can be, use the best optics you can, use the best rifle you can, the best ammo you can to ethically hunt mm-hmm. and to make you a better hunter. And last year he shot that 300 Winchester short mag with that vortex on there. That was, I mean, he could have shot, we practiced out to 800 yards with that thing and chance was dialed in. I mean, it was a turret, you can just dial it in. He, from 100 out to 800 and back, just kept practicing. 100, 800 back, every, every 100, 200, 300, all the way out, all the way back. And he'd plink every, every one. And then I didn't want him to shoot that far, right? But you got to be prepared. Not just prepared, but it makes you, just like archery hunting, if you're going to shoot a bow, practice out to 100 yards, 150 yards, because then when you shoot it 20 and 30 yards, you could damn near do it, you know, blindfolded, because it's just easy. So you practice out that 800, you practice your breathing, you trigger pull all things like that and if you can dial it in at 800 and then he ends up shooting at what 178 yards yeah. it was a chip shot but he was prepared to do that because we practiced so much out so far if we just practiced at 100 yards 178 would have seemed far right so yeah every day we'd go up on the mountain get to a vista point and i'd have him you know get in his gun i just wanted him to be as comfortable as he could be and all the elements of hiking and sweating and breathing and all that so he he would get in his scope very often the first day that we found that elk that he ended up harvesting he was i think it was 540 or something like that and i thought you know like maybe that's the type of shot he might have to make because we spent six days after that and never got any closer we saw him every single day and 540 on the first day was the closest so that's what i had in my mind i thought you know pick a pick a spot on a ridge we'll get the rangefinder on it get out 500 600 yards and try to just get comfortable zooming in on a rock or a sagebrush or something i just have him practicing that and then like you just said it finally comes together on that very last night 15 <laughs> minutes before shooting hours and here he comes down 180 yards broadside 178 and i think the russian gate judge gave him a 10.0 yeah double, on the front flip double fr- double front and a half <laughs> well nice half gator I don't know. I've told the story so many times about the hunt and stuff, but I just, I love the, you know, when we got up to the animal and it was a pretty obvious just by the reaction of the animal, the placement, um, that it was a heart shot, you know? So I thought when we get in there, it's just to see what that bullet did to the internal organs. And we were amazed this heart was literally perfect, perfectly intact. There was not a blemish. There wasn't a spot of blood on it. There was a, not a blemish, but as you got up to the very top of the heart where the aorta comes out of the heart, it wasn't there. It was literally just detached off of the... So I think probably the most ethical kill that I think anybody could possibly do is unbelievable. It was uh, Double lung in that aorta, wasn't it? 
or just no, no, the no. Aorta. It just it it took, it, it took the aorta off. Right. Yeah. Just it just was detached from the heart. It was just sort of voided, and I mean, he was dead essentially at that point in time. You got to figure that's the ascending aorta coming out of the heart. That's your primary blood Doc, flow. Doc over there. Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. so that instantly, I mean, in an elk, it's probably as wide. It's got to be as big as this 12-ounce Coke can in front of me. That's how big I, that that amount of blood instantly got cut off going to the brain, essentially. I mean, that's probably it's about its first place that it's going. And then on top of it, three steps later, he broke his neck. So yeah. a, uh, he's ascending aorta and uh, left ventricle, as opposed to the descending aorta. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Next to his hemoglobin. <laughs> <laughs> but I, in the video which I'm putting together that edit right now that of that hunt, so oh, people will be seeing this. I right away especially with the elk you see when they're such huge animals that i'm i'm put another one get jack another one jack another you know i'm because he took off not he didn't take off i'm just he started moving after the shot and didn't just suddenly drop and i'm back at nope didn't need it seven the, seven seconds he was the double front flip or front they are flip. tough though too man and and you hear a lot of horror stories from people you know of, of hitting one where what they perceive as hitting them correctly and in a good spot and they're they run off and they're they're never to be seen again whether they make it and well and there's a you know there's that section of rib cage that's in a museum somewhere that's got a, a, a an indigenous you know spear point in the rib cage mm-hmm. you know i've seen uh trevor marks posted a, a video or a photo a few years ago of a broadhead you know right behind the eye yeah, the socket of an elk yeah. i mean it, the, you know they're they are arguably the toughest animal that that we hunt on the west coast and that is you know that's what you you're you're Instant. trained yeah. to to put another one in them put another one because you don't want them to get away especially you know at, at that point when you've hunted an animal for six days you know the, you, you can imagine that the feeling of losing that animal would have been terrible and yeah. i mean unfortunately i didn't i mean you know, if you archery hunt, you know, may or may not have experienced or I definitely, you know, that first deer that I got in Carson city, I thought we were going to lose that one. I mean, I thought I hit him right. And it just, you know, it takes longer than you think sometimes. And that was one hell of a tracking job. Oh yeah. <laughs> that was a really, really but, cool. but it just, you know, the, you don't want to experience that. So your, your mind is telling put you, put another one in them, put another one yeah, in, you know, it's because not disrespectful. No, it, you want it it's to be quick. You want yeah. it to be you know, ethical and all those things. And you, and you want to harvest the animal you've been hunting, you know, I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to be running around wounding everything or, you know, hitting them and having them die somewhere else and not finding them. And so, so yeah, you know, I, cause the video very clearly, you know, put another one in one, put it in, you know, it happens so fast. You know, looking back at it, I think you count to seven and he flips seven seconds and he starts the flip to break the neck. Yeah. And so he didn't move after that. This this discussion went into a point that I didn't think it was going to go into. I thought what you were going to say is over these last 15 years, Chance has video proof of everything he's ever done in the outdoors. For the most part, I mean, Other you know, bird hunting. Deer, I think. Yeah. I think we didn't film one deer. His, yeah, the second deer, just him and I were up there. All right. So that that's pretty cool that most, you know, people don't get to experience anymore or ever. Yeah, that, no, that's awesome. Like that video I put out of Chase, of yeah. Chase a couple years ago, you know of killing him going from when he was two years old on your lap and coming out in slippers and yeah. <laughs> pajamas to it the the video of it is very cool and we i we do a video now but our dad was like that he just everything he could ever get a picture of not just in out in the outdoors but sports and anything else he took pictures yeah of every person on our team every parent every practice every game and every couple weeks he would we would go through pictures at the house and say okay who this is jimmy woods this is you know prior this is whoever it is and we put packets together of all the pictures and then at that next game he would hand them out to the parents oh that's cool he took pictures of everybody every everybody's kid football games baseball basketball whatever it is and gave them all to the parents every every couple weeks that's cool yeah so we've always been into that filming or you know Capture, capturing it but now doing it with film is is awesome to be able to yeah because I, I i would think most people would agree I, I mean the hunt is the hunt but i think that the telling the story of the hunt to somebody who wasn't there 
I mean, it's just something that lives forever. You yeah. know, it, you could sit around with people for hours and hours and days and days telling the stories about the hunt. Who cares what what the animal scored and all that kind of stuff? But then you yeah, to have it, the video evidence of it, and being able to put it together in a high quality fashion is pretty special. That is for sure. It, it's funny you hear the you know the older guys, guys older than us, they still talk about their you know their first deer, their last deer, their you know, and it's that is a funny thing is that you could remember. I don't remember graduating college or high school. I mean, I remember it, but you know, I could tell you everything about probably every animal I've ever killed minus, you know, birds and stuff like that. But you know, I have a pretty good memory of most of the coyotes. I've, I mean, I don't remember them all, but, but there's, you know, definitely ones from years back that I, I can still in my mind, see them running in, you know, the, 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 the coyote we refer to as pellet acne that, that Clint shot with. I, I can remember that hunt like it happened yeah, yesterday. Yeah. That was 10 years ago. But you, you I can still picture him running up the front and going over to the decoy. I mean, I just, it's funny that hunting will do that to you. I mean, I don't. I, yeah, I don't think it's only to hunting, but it's when I talk about hunting, when someone asks me about it, it's not I killed a 400 inch bull or 200, like a 212 inch deer. I immediately go to the story and of the hike and the everything else that goes beyond the kill. The kills yeah. one pull of the trigger or, you know, release of the arrow, that's that's done. Everything else that is involved makes that story what it is. It's yeah, yeah. I, I, I tend to go towards either the unfortunate things that happen to you, you know, the flat tires and the you know, forgot the you know, whatever the frying pan or, you know, the uh all the funny stuff you know what i mean like, oh yeah you know or you get to the, you get to a this is not big game hunting but you get to a field and open up your uh trailer to get all the shotguns out and it, forgot the combina- it, combination it, to the lock yeah or, the safe in your deal or for or forget the key to the uh to the to the decked roller thing so you can't get the stuff out of there oh yeah all those all those things have happened that's funny that's a, that's kind of what's you know like funny about growing up and and becoming your own your own guy like i said you know when you used to go with your dad or whatever they, they just brought everything you take it for granted you know then when you become your own guy and you're doing your own thing you got to remember all that stuff and or and you know and now because of that i think i bring way too much you got to be prepared for everything that's it right is my deal. and then you end up not using 99 percent of it but it's, it's kind of like when you pack for a trip you know you bring nine pairs of underwear like you're gonna have an accident every single day that you're <laughs> out there but it, it never happens but you sure have it in there it's the same as hunting gear you have five boxes of shells for a seven bird limit if you're gonna get to 125 before you got it done maybe you should pack it in Ar- for the day this argentina yeah, try exactly. a different sport <laughs> yeah exactly well, and going back to the whole, you know, if it's camp and anything outdoors, not only that it makes it more memorable, but you something bad is going to happen on nearly every trip. I mean, you're going to get a flat tire. You're going to get, forget something. You're, I mean, there's just, it adds to the story, but that's something that we've learned over the years in the areas that we hunt that can be pretty remote. You, you kind of have to over-prepare because you're not going to have a trip. Very, very seldom are you going to have a trip where you can come back and go, hmm. Nothing really went wrong on that trip, you right. know? What a great trip. Yeah. I was just thinking about when you brought that up, when your alternator went out in your truck. Uh-huh. Remember that very first car drove by us, and, and we didn't think that we needed to, to get any help. You know, we just thought, oh, yeah. even if we do, another car is going to... We sat in that truck for like five hours, and nobody drove and by. And did we end up knowing the first... Wasn't it... Somebody said no. they saw us on the side of the road. Kent, Kent Burroughs drove. Oh, it was. We were out of the truck... That was that was what it was. Was we remember we got out of the truck and we were looking for shiny rocks or something like that, and he drove by, and he was towing a truck. But we were out in the sagebrush. We didn't, and I don't even think I knew it was him at the time. Later, when we got home, he said, "I thought I saw, yeah, because you had that uh, Belding physical therapy sticker down your yeah, truck." And yeah. he said, "I saw what were he said what were you guys doing on the side of the road Sunday." And I said, was that you? I said, we were freaking broke down. And he goes, oh, I thought you guys were out coyote hunting or something. I'm like, oh, my God. No, it, it, yeah. No, I love it. It's funny. I, I, I agree with you 100%. Something. What, what ended up happening? You caught a ride back in the Gerlach. Was it an HP? No. So I caught a ride uh, with the Cowboys, remember? Cowboys. They had a, the and they, they said they could get me as far as Squaw Reservoir, which I, maybe you know what we're talking about, maybe you don't. But we were probably 40 miles from Squaw Reservoir, and then that's 50-something miles from Gerlach. So these Cowboys said, 
we could get you as far as Squaw Reservoir. Squaw is where our truck is broke down. So I jumped in with them. We had hit that, if, if, if you think about it, we had hit that spot thing that we used to carry, the satellite thing that, that told you, you know, we didn't say we were in trouble, but we said, you know, we're, we're broke down or whatever. So I catch a ride from where we're broke down to Squaw. And uh, right as we pull in, the sheriff's uh, truck is pulling out there. And and obviously I'm in all camo because we're hunting and all these cowboys are, and he, he kind of says, you know, one of these things is not like the other one. Why are you here, you know, to me? And I said, well, our truck is broke down, you know, back out the road. And he said, that's where I'm headed. Uh, you guys had hit something on your spot and let somebody in your family know that Heather, yeah. you were having an issue. So I was headed that way. Sidebar to the story. I had a pistol because <laughs> I just had to hitchhike and uh, he could see it sticking out. And this is before I had a CCW. He could see it sticking out of the bottom. And he said, well, you know, you know, that's against the law. Or he said, do you have a permit to carry a concealed weapon? And I said, well, I'm out here hunting. You know, he said, it's against the law if you're hiding it under your jacket. So he took it from me. On the way back out. Uh, right? And made me ride in the back of the pickup truck. And I knew, I, it's funny, I ended up knowing the guy. I knew his brother. And we started talking. And then then he was like, the, you know, he was the greatest sheriff ever. He gave us a ride all the way, gave me a ride all the way back out there. Then gave all three of us a ride all the way back into town. And then uh, even helped us get a new alternator delivered from Reno to Gerlach, which is like a 110 mile drive. Yep. Cause he knew someone that was coming out. It was like an all day ad- adventure oh, to get that truck back on the road. But yeah, you know, that's a story that, that one of many, I, I'm sure we were, I, I mean, I know we were coyote hunting. It, it, I don't talk about how many we got that dad to tell everyone how funny it is. We broke down for 10 <laughs> hours on the way home. We had that one. Uh, actually that was chances first deer tag, right? So chance, at the time, a 12 or 13 year old kid and me and Alex on a Boulder Mountain. And we went up and over the top of this mountain miles and miles and miles. And we got back to like a quarter mile from camp. And I felt a little jog in the side by side. We were driving in the dang back driver's side tire just fell off. The like whole it sheared wheel itself tire. completely off. And then we were, that, I mean, it was our first thought. Like, we had this young kid and it was, it was evening. Yeah. It was yeah. basically starting to get dark by the time we got down there. And if that thing would have done that on the other side of the mountain, we had, I don't know, 15 miles or something yeah. to hike back what down to camp. Me on Kyle hunting up with Lavor, who welded it back together. And then I called uh, Yamaha to see what the hell was going on with that. And their wheel maker made a, one batch of wheel that the lug nut where you, where the studs came through that whole, what was it, four or five lug nut tire, that they were just a tad, like a, you know. Millimeter too millimeter big or Millimeter too big. And there was a little bit of wiggle. Even though you cranked your bolts down, yeah. it still had a little bit of wiggle in there. And it was a it was a defect run of tires. And we, we got, or rims, yeah. And we, <laughs> we got two of them. <laughs> I, we, we, I remember the first time it fell off, the lug nuts stayed inside the center cap, which hindsight 2020. But so, you know, we, we did not put the center cap back on. We didn't know what happened. You know, we just, we just, the, the wheel and tire fell off. Yeah. So we put it back on, but we did not take the extra few minutes. It was winter, you know, or, you know, it was, it was fall. It was, it wasn't warm. And, you know, so we just threw the, the lug nuts back on and, uh, we didn't get, I think what happened is once it happened, then then you were in trouble because we didn't go but a hundred yards and it fell off again. Only this time, without having the center cap on there, we lost one or two of the lug nuts because they fell off right away. So we found a couple in the dirt, you know. So we put it back on with three of the five lug nuts, and it was, you know, I'm not a mechanic. Clint's not a mechanic, but it's like, okay, you know, something's wrong here. You go a hundred yards, the wheels fall off again. Oh my god, it took. And then, and then you got to, then we were, how do you get it on the trailer with, you know, we, we nursed it down the hill, right? Pitting the wheel back on and shit and whatever. Pardon my French. That was the first time in (laughs) an hour and 10 minutes. Uh, (laughs) Then you're going, how do you get it? How do you get it back on the jumping jack trailer? How do you, how do you get it? It was hard to get on there when it was a fully functioning side by side with all of its wheels and tires. Now we got to try and get it up on there, you know, with a bad wheel just a, yeah, I, I laugh about too. We I we could tell these stories all day. Uh, uh, remember we split up 
coyote hunting and you took the six seater one way and Clint and I took that other, uh, two seater another way. And then we go off, we tried to go through this, uh, little snow covered Valley to go call. This was, would have been an unbelievable coyote stand. It sunk that, uh, sunk that side oh, by right. side That's all scary. the way up to the skid plate to where all four tires would not turn anymore. Clint and I by ourselves, no shovel, which we're so stupid. We bring all that stuff and we leave it in the truck, no yeah. shovel, you know, no, no toe strap, no nothing. And, uh, we had a winch on it, but not a tree in sight. Right. That we could, you know, yeah, right in the middle of a valley done. with nothing you could hook onto it. And, uh, that, that was a point we were carrying those satellite phones everywhere. So, you know, we're, who do you, what do you do? You know? So anyway, that was three hours of unsticking <laughs> stupid side by side. And, and the funny thing was right off the road. It was just, I mean, you could, you could stand on the road and then we drove into this little snow drift. Ugh. Yeah. I believe Alex drove into the snow drift, if I remember right. A negative. That was you driving. Yeah. At least that's what I tell all my friends. <laughs> well, hopefully in a couple of weeks, we'll be able to talk about Chance's successful hunt. One month? Yeah. A little over a month. A little month. A month and 10 days. Yeah, and then uh, hopefully a successful bull tag, fill the freezers back up. That's what I'm looking forward to. I mean, here we are. How many months from chances with November, right? And I mean, I, we're down to barely anything in the deep freeze. It's like we've eaten on that elk all year, but it's starting to get thin. I'm looking yeah. forward to having something in there. Yeah, I, shoot. I think I haven't had, I haven't had a tag in three or four years. So <laughs> I, all I got left is some some four age pork that Chad <laughs> gave me a few days ago. That's not that's not wild game. That's just not store bought. But yeah. My freezer's empty. It's gonna be nice. It's always, it's always, at least in Nevada this time of year, it's hot, and you kind of run out of things to do. But looking forward to having some kind of a tag in the, you know, fall and late summer is always a, a good way get to get you, through get the through, through the hot months of the year here in the desert. It's gonna be weird though this year. As far, I mean, I don't think the antelope hunt's going to be affected other than not being able to go onto the Indian reservation if we needed to go around but this virus might change some stuff throughout the fall what states states you can hunt what you know well i mean it's definitely affecting i was chatting with a guy this week that they they go to canada every year while you know waterfowl hunting which obviously so does this crew but uh First time in 22 years, they're canceling. They're, they, 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 they're not canceling. They're not able to go. They're, yeah. they're just in, and I, I hate that. I, and I've heard tons of stories already of, you know, people losing trips. And, and, uh, I mean, I lost a trip to Scotland. I was going to spend my, uh, you know, this is my 40th year on the earth and we were all going to go to Scotland, you know, and that trip got canceled. I had a trip to Phoenix get canceled for, uh, opening day giants diamondbacks uh you know and then you start to think about yeah is uh are you gonna be able to go to you know anywhere you gonna go to california be able to go waterfowl hunting this year obviously canada's out um you know that's a that's a something that the virus is going to take possibly that's near and dear to a lot of people's hearts and and tradition, you know, guys 22 years of going to canada they're not the only guys that have done that there's guys that have you know, uh, legacy trips that were passed down from their grandparents. You know what I mean? They, you know, they may or may, you know, they would go antelope hunting every year, you know, or they would go trout fishing every year. And, you know, a lot of people will say that's a small thing to sacrifice, but it, it, it wears on your morale and it wears on your spirit to, to lose these trips and, and, you know, not be able to do the things that you love. It just, it sucks. And, you know, it's everything. It's not getting your hair cut. It's not going to work. It's, I didn't want to talk about this virus today, and I hope we end this very quickly. It's very depressing. You're the me. one going off on the team. I know. Yeah, Damn I, I just was I got gonna, nobody to stop but myself. <laughs> just going to talk about uh because I don't want to get into the virus because I, I got some conspiracy theories about it. <laughs> Clay's down um, the rabbit hole. <laughs> but as far as hunting, because, you know, any Ely, you know, what if Ely, something happens and Ely shuts down... Because hotels, hotels, and stuff like that, what restaurants. I mean, yeah, it, it. So it could affect it, but hopefully, it doesn't. But we, uh, 
Luckily, I, 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 I always go back to, the, you know, you can go out, you can go out and camp. Well, they can't stop you from that. And, and, and the flip side of that is that hopefully it gives you a good, you know, boost in your spirit. If the weather holds and, and all is right, we'll be out in a wall tent and won't have to worry about what the towns are doing. You know, that's what, that's what I'm looking forward to the most about these couple of tags, especially with what's going on right now is that I want a few days away from all this stuff and I want, you know, a week away from all this stuff and, you know, no phones and no TV and, you know, just hunting. Yeah. And that, that's what Agreed. all of us, I think, need. Would <laughs> need and want. And, you know, I think that if Nevada wasn't so hot during the summer, you know, you could go out and do it now. But, you know, I don't like the campground camp. Yeah. I want to go out and, you know, be, just be out in the, the desert because that's what we got. But, man, it's, it's warm out there right now. 97 today, I think it's yeah. supposed to be. Not a whole lot of shade trees in and the I was country. Gonna say, if, you've, if you've not been to Nevada in your life, there is no shade to be had, and you just cook out there, which, I mean, there are states that are And hotter, you don't bring your own shade because the wind's going to blow and you're going to get something yeah, broke, guaranteed. Your easy up will be four four miles away and, and 47 different pieces if you bring one of those. So. Well, I think we uh, we ended here, and we, we go into coyote hunting next time or bring on like Clint saying somebody to talk about the ballistics I think a ballistics episode would be yeah I, 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 be very interesting to me but we have a lot of ideas this is just the start of it we you know where the pavement ends encompasses a lot of things so we'll be able to talk a lot of things hunting fishing camping trapping ballistics anything and we're gonna we have a Instagram and a whole bunch of other stuff starting up so would you hear these? Please get on and let us know what you're wanting to hear about, wanting us to talk about. If we could throw down some knowledge with some with people that you guys want to hear from, let us know and kind of incorporate anything into this. So, yeah, I think that uh, we're going to bring something. I'm not going to say different, but you know, like you said, an all encompassing approach to all these things outdoors that you know we all love and. Yep. I mean, if you're listening to this, chances are you love it too. So, yeah, it's gonna be a uh, be fun. It's gonna ride. be a long, hot summer. We're gonna be podcasting, baby, <laughs> in this beautiful room I built. It is a very nice room, Clint. Did you want to add anything? I, I think this is a neat table. <laughs> I built this table yeah. with my own hands. I heard <laughs> pretty good considering uh, it's whittled out of one piece of wood. I mean, like that. no better to light. <laughs> no better person to. Than Jesus and the JC, yeah, great carpenter. All right, well, thanks for uh, listening to us today, and uh, we'll be back at you episode two. Let's talk about predator hunting. Let's commit to it right now. Predator hunting number two. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. <laughs>